welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, we're back with another Top 8 debate. It's been a while. It has been a while. And because we're ending up 2021 (laughs) right now, it is only appropriate that we do the Top 8 debate for 2021 games. Alrighty, sounds good to me. It has been interesting. And now, there's a glitch in the system on Board Game Geek right now. So we're just assuming they were in the proper ranking. <laughs> right. It, it's uh, not effectively showing them. Yeah. Because we don't know. But we do want to add a, a couple caveats. We are filming this on the 22nd, 22nd of December in 2021. There are plenty of games that we have not played. And when we do our top eight debate, as always, we pick the top eight highest ranked games that you and I have both played. Yeah. So there are plenty of in here, as shown by our honorable mentions, <laughs> that... Um, Between we, yours and my honorable mentions, and the audience's honorable mentions. And the audience, mentions. that there are plenty of games that either one of us have not played, or yeah. neither of us have, um, that we that it's worth noting that just because these are our top eight debate doesn't mean that they're the top eight games that came from 2021. These are just the ones that you and I have both played. Yeah, exactly. So, and the reason for that being is this way we can have... A sound argument for both games. Um, normally, I'll have the Cup of Doom set up. I'm going to be doing that right now when he starts going through the honorable mentions. It's mm-hmm. mostly going to be you doing the honorable mentions while I set up the Cup of Doom. That's fine. That's fine. Indeed. So, yeah, like we said, we're going to be doing our top eight debate. Uh, we're going to go into it. The way it works is that we pick the top eight games that we both played. We've set it up in like a college style of like football bracket. Uh, one, the first seed will be against the eighth seed the second through seventh, and so on. Then after those, we'll reseed them. And so we're there properly. We're debating them, the highest to the lowest. And we continue until the final one where we decide what is the best game of 2021 that you and I have both played. And, of course, that may change. We'll probably do, like, a revisit episode and talk about them a little bit further on. Um, So when we made the poll, we posted that on the Board Game Revolution forum on Facebook... And we invited anybody else to make comments and to add in their own games, which we'll be talking about. And some of which I have already looked at, and we'll be talking about <laughs> our honorable mentions as well. Yeah. So, also with that being said, we also, like, uh, do we want to go into the criteria already? No, we'll wait till once we get into the start of the debate. All right. So let's talk about what everybody else said and added to the list. So, and I'll, I'll go ahead and read the votes as well. So the very first one, uh, added by Kelly, is Lost Ruins of Arnak, which got 39 votes. We both agreed that that was not a release in 2020. No, because uh, it, it wasn't. It was 2020. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't 2021. So um, now the expansion just came out. Yes. And, and it's a great game. It absolutely has every right being up there. It's just that they might have been voting for it because it's new to them, them yeah. or new to our region, whatever the case may be. Um. Skipping past that, Ark Nova, that definitely came out this year. Yep. Um, neither of us have gotten a chance to play it, but I've heard amazing reviews of I've it I've heard so really good things about it, so... Yeah. Uh, a lot of people say it's a uh, terraforming Mars killer for them. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. Yeah. Well, they also say that about the new Ares Expedition of terraforming Mars, too. True, true. Uh, that was added by Guy. Uh, Christopher added Sleeping Gods Red Raven game. Oh, man, I really want to play this game. Yeah. Yeah, neither of us own it, right? Yeah, I think the our mutual friend Dom is the only one that does. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Jason added Cascadia, which honestly, that's one that I'm really, really anticipated I've, for. Yeah, I want to play that one. It looks gorgeous. Yep. Mark added The Great Wall. That one I'm not too familiar. I know the name, um, and I've heard people talk about it, but I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, it's um, it looks stunning. Yeah, you actually have wall pieces that you're building up. It looks really cool. Um, Justin added Unsettled, which I don't know almost anything about. Yeah. I no. believe, actually, was this the one that was the remake of Battlestar Galactica? No, no, that's Unfathomable. Unfathomable. And that will be mentioned later. Okay, gotcha. Cool deal. So Unsettled. Uh, yeah, so uh, Jamie put up Imperium Classics and Imperium Legends. They're pretty much the same game. It's just uh, two different things. I have heard really good things about this, and I want to pick up a copy right. of either one of them. I don't know which one I would go with. I think Legends, maybe. Right, absolutely. Though I'm a history major, or was a history major. I really like classics, too, because you got like the Romans and stuff like that in it. Right, exactly. I don't know. It's just... It just because of the fact of what it is, it doesn't look anything different than battling different anachronistic cultures. Like, I don't know. It didn't seem all that interesting to me. But that's that's a minor minor thing. And we have uh, someone joining us. It's Illuminous. Thank you so much for joining our chat. Um, going on to the next one, Mike added Nita Valier. Um, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't put this on my honorable mention. Is this a 2021? I think this is a 2020. I think it came out in Essen in 2020. That might be why I missed it. Yeah, or like there was a Kickstarter, because absolutely we should be debating this one. If this is a 2021, I imagine it would be on our list, significantly so, uh, because Nita Valera is fantastic. We'll we'll double check that here in a minute, um, because we might just have to like add that into our list. Yeah, uh, the next one added by Kirk is Final Girl, and I really, really want to play this one. I heard it's really good. Uh, I, I haven't read tempted, the graphic. I was tempted to to back the Kickstarter when it first came out. Very Interesting. Tempted. Yeah, no, I was too. It looked really, really good. Have you played um, the Hostage Negotiator, which is the system is based off of? Uh, no, I have not. It, I will have to bring it over and because now I think I'm starting to turn you on to only solitaire games. Like <laughs> it, you've played plenty of solo games, like of games that you have that have solo modes to them. Yeah. Where I like to focus on games that are solo only, and uh, like Oniram and and that. Um, but yeah, I've heard Hostage Negotiator is not even close to as good as Final Girl is. Which they took everything about it and made it better and better. And it's based off a graphic novel, from my understanding. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I'd believe that. Yeah, no, it, it looks so good. And I like Hostage Negotiator quite a bit. It's one of my up there. It's very lucky, but not so much that it's impossible. Um, so we will check Nita Valir here in a bit. The final girl, uh, the next one added by Corey was Unfathomable. That was the one I, yeah, I was yeah. mistaken for. Um, I think our mutual friend Gamehead Geek actually has this one. Um, I do want to try it. I've heard really good things about Battlestar Galactica other than it's like, uh, right. not really a social deduction, but more of a hidden betrayer style game. Yeah. And sometimes those get my anxiety up. <laughs> like yeah. You wouldn't believe. Do you like hidden betrayer games? Yeah. I love, uh, Dead of Winter. You know, I've heard Game of Thrones Oathbreaker. Oh, here we go it, again with this. I'm just saying. I've it's your it's fault you said social deduction. 
That that makes way more sense now. It really is a hidden betrayer. <laughs> All right. So the next game added by Guy was uh, Furnace. Uh, I've heard really good things about it. It looks the box cover is amazing. Right. I uh, just haven't played it. I know our mutual friend. We've mentioned him a couple times. Dom does own yeah. this one, so I want to try it. It gets played at the shop quite often during our game nights, and it's always popular, and it always goes over really well. I also have not been able to play it yet. Uh, and Illumines uh, agrees with it. Furnace is great. Very yeah. crunchy. Sounds good. Are we pronouncing the name? Is it Illuminous or Illuminis? Please correct us. And if you just type out your name, that doesn't help. I'm not saying you won't. But uh, also, the next one that was added by Justin was Anno 1800. Now, which looks cool. Yeah. I, I want to try this one. You're a lot. very hesitant with this, though, too, because At of first, the designer. Who's the designer? Martin Wallace. Oh, you're right. You're right. I I have only played one Martin Wallace game, and it was absolute garbage. And I'm not saying all of his games are, because, I mean, obviously he's a popular designer for a reason. But if that game was anything to go off of it, because it had decent reviews, I hated it. it the, specifically, the game I'm talking about is Via Nebula. I couldn't stand that game. Oh, okay. See, I really enjoyed Brass. I just never could get it to the table, or Birmingham specifically. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't own it anymore. But this one intrigues me. Apparently, it's based off a video game. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, next up, Bethany added Merchant's Cove. Now, I've heard good things about this one. I've been wanting to try it. So uh, it's been something that's on my list to look at, but yeah. I just haven't got it to the table or know anybody who owns it. Right, exactly. Nathan added Project L. Project L looks pretty cool. Um, it I don't know what more to say th than that, but Project L does look interesting to us. Um, I think this is the one with the uh, with like the shapes cut out of the blocks, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I might be wrong on that. But yeah, it looks really neat, nifty to me. Um, let's see here. Our next one, you're taking care of some logistical stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a card builder puzzle game. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, Project L looks pretty nifty. Uh, Nathan added Oath, which I had the opportunity to buy a couple days ago, and I'm, I don't, I have one other player who's very interested in playing Oath, but I don't, I can't guarantee that I have a group that would be willing to play it. Yeah, no, I, I we've had a hard time getting Root to the table. I can just imagine trying to get Oath to the I table. I ended up getting rid of my my Root because yeah. of I didn't like. How it was such a slog trying to play it. It's it was been really... so long, I can't remember how to do this. Right, I don't remember either. Um, click on the username. Try that. And then... There you go. There we go, that's how it works. Alright, sorry about that. Um, our next one, Philip added, Role Player Adventures. Yeah, I've been talking about this one a lot. I do want to get this to the table. I do own it. I uh, just yeah. haven't got it out yet, so... That's right. And down on the bottom of this list, we're getting near the end, near the end. There's a lot of suggested. David added Golem. Heard good things about this one. It's one I haven't tried or picked up yet, but I no. am looking forward to trying this one. It was from the same designers as Grand Austria Hotel and um, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Yeah, and I do obviously like... obviously a different artist. Yeah, I, I like Lorenzo Il Magnifico. I've never played Grand Austrian Hotel. Right. Absolutely. And uh, do you want to take the next one? Uh, so the uh, Illumis added, um, I'm surprised nobody mentioned Dune Imperium. Imperium actually came out last year around the same time, Lost Ruins of Arnak. The only uh, one that came, yeah, 2020. Yeah. And, um, 
the thing that came out this year is the expansion Dune Imperium um, X. Rise of X. Rise of X. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the next one is added by Andy, which is after the Empire. Yeah, now, I know nothing about this one. You do know something about this one, do I? I believe this is the Gray Fox game where it's like you're basically castle defending with the big group. We that was the one game I played in the shop when we reopened the shop. It's me, Dom, I think Nate on that back corner. It's that Gray Fox game with the the castles, but you you okay. kind of looked at it and that's really. Really, the only thing we played that night. Okay. Because I think we were trying to start a game of Dune Imperium as well. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. So that would have been the only one. Let's take this next one. And yes, by the way, Dune Imperium, um, I do remember it was 2020 because um, it was on one of my Christmas lists that get... Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so the next one is Cape May. By added by Frank, of course. I've talked about this a lot. I talked about it in the, one of the episodes. Mm -hmm. um, the way we recorded this is a little out of order, so it's going to be in the episode after this yeah. episode. We'll talk a little bit more about it. Then. Yeah, but Kate May, phenomenal game, very beautiful, does really smart things. I, I really dig it. Yeah. The next one added by Nathan was Dice Miner, which this one looked cool. I think, that if I'm not mistaken, this is the one with like a cool like 3D... A uh, little thing where you're actually pulling different dice of different types out. Yeah, yeah. Looks really neat. Uh, he also added, so clever. And I've heard good things about so this clover. one. So clover. So clover, that's right. Uh, but I haven't played it, so I can't. It looks so good. It looks good. It looks fantastic. It's right up my alley. I love I love that style. Um, next one added by Terry was the Rat Catcher, which you know nothing about. No, nothing about. I would play it based on that name alone, though. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Douglas added... Destinies? Mm -hmm. Destinies. Um, David added Kanban EV. And no, about I've heard of it. Um, yeah, I've heard of it. But okay. I don't know anything about it. Same with Destinies. Nick added Mantis Falls, another game I'm not very familiar with. Yeah, I've never heard of any of that. Um, Mike added Similio, which, yes, I, I think that was this year, and I completely agree. Uh, even if it wasn't, it was. it's an awesome game. It. It's making me replace my copy of One Key, hand down. And I'm thinking about getting rid of Mysterium over it. Really? Yeah. It's really good. It's a deck of 30 cards, and that's it. Hmm. And it does that that level of deduction quicker, faster, and more efficiently. Uh, next one on my list here is Adam. He added Coffee Traders. It's one game I've actually looked into. Mm -hmm. I haven't it's a played solo it. one, right? Yeah, it's a solo one. Mm -hmm. And looking into it, it looks really good. I like the fact that it almost comes like in a coffee tin looking get right. box. But you know me and like the special boxes, they annoy me because <laughs> shelf space. Yeah, only a lot. Um, so these next ones that we're going to be listing, uh, some of them came out years prior, so we're not going to take the time to double-check what years that they came yeah. out. So we'll just mention them real quick. We'll run uh, fast. Did you say uh, Nathan added Gorintu yet? Uh, no, I skipped it for... Okay. Uh, on accident. Yeah, that happens. Okay. Gorintu, uh, Dave added Batuku, Batoku. Which I don't think is out yet. I might be wrong. Um, yeah. Ray added Messina thirteen forty seven. Bill added Terraforming Mars. Now, if you look at BGG, it does show Terraforming Mars as a twenty twenty one release, but it's mainly the big box, unless he's mentioning Ares Expedition, which did come out this year. Right. Um, Muhammad added on Mars. Vito Lacerda still haven't played any of his game. Not yet. 
Uh, Dan added trick shot. Um, Jen's added Etherfields. Uh, Christian added Dungeon Universalis. Okay. Um, Cameron added Overboss, which and, I believe is a boss monster game. Yes. And yes, Etherfield was last year. Yep. And Ray added Old Tree. Old Tree, yep. All right, so now let's go about the comments. Go ahead and click on that previous three. Yeah. Um, so we had <laughs> Dave said, it seems 2021 did not produce many stellar games, just a bunch of decent ones, which Caitlin um, said, Onk is quite stellar. And Glenn replied, I agree. <laughs> uh, maybe except Final Girl, which was exceptional, but not too many people willing to spend that money for a solo only game. Yeah, I don't it, like it was, it was a bit pricey. Yeah. Um, Frank adds, I added Kate May. Check it out. X and Glame. That gamer can even enjoy while playing with newbies. And I don't disagree with him at all. Absolutely. Bethany said, I added Merchant's Cove. I have enjoyed every game and each one played differently uh, or due to the asymmetrical gameplay. Uh, Jason says, I'm shocked a great wall is so high with it still being sent out to American backers. I got mine a couple months back in Canada and haven't had the opportunity to play it yet. Now I'm really excited. Went with Ankh, only game I played on the list so far. So unfair, I suppose. That's not unfair. We're kind of going on the same ideal. And then Luminous said, yeah, like just just received their uh, copy of Great Wall as well. And um, and Craig said, though I haven't played it, I ha I am excited for Unfathomable. I do want to try it. Um, oh, we have oh, there's more, more answers. Yeah. Huh. Who knew? Uh, uh, the admin is saying that in if you guys want to join this, we'll, they'll be doing an official BGR Meeple's Choice, which is the Board Game Revolution Awards, again this year. So this is a good precursor to pull titles from. Thanks. Yeah, we're glad to help, Thomas. Yeah. And thank you for having the platform for us, because we appreciate letting us yeah, use, put these polls up. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um. Isaac, oh, I'm sorry, Jimmy said, Bitoku, also Project L, is 2020. He was clarifying those. That's what I thought. I knew Bitoku, I thought Bitoku was this year, though. I might be wrong. I, I thought it wasn't even out yet. Yeah. Shows what I know. Yeah, exactly. We don't know at all. Uh, Isaac was just mentioning what, what Lost Cities of Arnak was, and he was getting, uh, no, and it was supposed to say Ruins. But again, I think Lost Ruins of Arnak came out. Yeah, because it yep. came around the same time, Dune, Dune Imperium, because that was the two games that got compared a lot. Right. Uh, Ray just added that he added Messina 1347. Uh, Chris is saying, not played a single one. Been a time for playing loved games, but not many opportunities for come to uh, for people to come and play. Yep, and it's a shame, too. Uh, Stee, I believe I pronounced that name right, S-T-E, um, not played any one of them. It's a bummer. Uh, Michael is just confirming Lost Ruins of Arnak is 2020. Uh, Ark Nova isn't even out uh, yet, he's asking. Um, Valentine is saying it has been out and he's played it 10 times already. And they're just communicating about where they could find it. It is not out in North America. That's why. Yeah. Uh, and Julia said Blood Bowl, which eh. uh, I think that's 1980s, if I'm not mistaken. It was, it was a while back. And Illuminous has added that his game or their game of the year is probably Radlands. Cool. Yeah. Tell nice. us more about it. 
So that was fun. Thank you all for your comments and your suggestions for votes. And glad uh, Thomas Covert that we can help out with the Board Game Revolution Forum. As always, you know, we use them as a great resource. Go check it out. Yeah. If you're on Facebook, it, there's no reason you shouldn't be on that it's group. It's a good community. I really enjoy yep. uh, working with them. Be one of the nearly 50,000 members. They're awesome. Alrighty, so let's get into our list. Before we go over the rules of our game, let's talk about our honorable mentions. Yeah, so we have a few honorable mentions that that we've both enjoyed. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, my number three is on both of our lists. Is that right? Uh, yes, it is. It's yeah. actually my number one. So. so do we want to wait till then? Yeah, we'll wait till my number one okay. and just start with your two. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, well, then you should go ahead. All right, so my number three on my list, it was one that was already mentioned in the honorable mentions of the audience, and that is Overboss, a boss monster game. Oh, okay. And the reason why I put this on this list, it's a good game, not a great game, but I wanted to give it a reference point because I don't like boss monster. Right. I think it's too lucky. It's too, it's, it's cool. I get the concept. It's funny, but I just didn't really enjoy it the couple times I played it. And so when my buddy busted this one out, I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to play this. I don't know if I'm going to like it. And then I'm like, all right, fine. We'll play it. Yeah. Fine. I'll keep an open mind. One of my resolutions. And we played it. And I honestly really, really liked it. It's a nice little puzzly game. Uh, tiling. You're getting a tile. You're trying to put it in the proper area. And you're trying to get the most points at the end of the game. I thought it was phenomenal. They shouldn't have put Boss Monster on the the, the title because it's going to scare some people away. Right. This was a very good, crunchy gaming game. Simple enough for most people that I thought it should get on this list to get talked about because for someone who despises Boss Monster, this was a pleasant surprise. Right. I don't despise... I don't hate it as bad as you do, but um, it's it's good. Like, Boss Monster was good. Overboss I haven't played yet. But there was a... The designer of that also designed a few other, like, apparently pretty well-known names. Um, but, yeah, I haven't played it, so I'm looking forward to one day. Yeah, people compare this to Azul. I've heard that it kind of plays like Azul because you're drafting a tile and you're placing it in place. Overboss? And yeah, and you're trying to get combos based on, like, your lands and the type of stuff that's in there. Mm -hmm. Like, so if a skeleton and stuff like that. Plays really good. I really did enjoy it. I can see a little bit of a Zool in it, but okay. not not that much really. I just I really love the tiling in it. Okay, I you know I like tiling. Uh, my number two honorable mention is one that uh, I bought the bigger brother of this game and I fell in love with it. Uh, the big one is Parks, and I owned it for a while and I played it, and I think it's one of the most incredible resource management mm. contract bidding games and so when this the little brother came out trails it was a small little version um it was almost like i thought it was like a micro version of it but i was like okay i'll give it a shot we'll see if i like it or not yeah because i like parks a lot and i played it and it's different enough where i i'm okay owning both of them and i think that that's a good way to, to compare it to they do play quite differently um I like the way that the sun sets throughout trails okay. because every time you go to the end and back, once you get to the end, you flip over one of the tiles that everybody's traversing along um, face down. And then that ends up causing like the sun to start setting. And once it gets to a certain point, then that triggers the end of the game. So you're going back and forth along this path throughout the entire game, yeah. getting the resources, trading them in for uh, contracts, uh, 
getting all sorts of other cool uh, abilities. It, it's smart, and it's a $20 game. The production value is really high for this, and it plays really well, and, and it's one of those ones where, like I said, you could own both, and you should be fine. They are absolutely fantastic together. Another thing I like about this, these games, and uh, Illuminous is saying it too, the art looks nice enough for both of these games. The art's yeah. amazing. You can find these in mass market store or like stores. Yes. You can find it in Target. You can find them in Barnes and Noble yep. and stuff like that. So, uh -huh. it yeah, it's really expensive. If you're not sure about parks, because it's fifty dollar game yeah. retail, buy Trails, try it out, and if you like that and want another step up, then Parks is definitely a go to. You're gonna love every second of it. Yeah. So I've been looking. I still haven't played either one of these. So yet, yet. Uh, we'll so moving on to my number two, it is one I've mentioned and talked about in a, which will be your future episode, uh, is Cartographer Heroes. Uh, I really, really enjoy this one. Now, I know people are going to say, hey, it's isn't that an expansion of Cartographers? It's a standalone expansion. You don't need Cartographers to play Cartographer Heroes. What I like about Cartographer Heroes, it does something different. If you want to play the basic game, Cartographer is your way to go. Yeah. If you want something that gives a little more crunch to it, then you want to do Cartographer Heroes. Because they have the monsters now have special abilities where some of them can spread out. You have heroes that can fight um, the monsters as you go eliminate spaces and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the, the scoring cards are a little bit more gamey than the other one, where it's like, hey, just fill out as far diagonally as you can. This one is like, okay, you need to build like your forest. They got to be next to connected to waters, but then they also have to be, uh, the water has to be touching mountains. So it gotcha. just makes it where you're trying to find that puzzle a little bit better. Yeah. And it, it basically just made it crunchy, uh, more crunchy than what it was already was. It was a basic polynomial game, fill out spaces, get your points, buy the scorecards. Still great. Um, they did change one thing that I, I was looking through the thing. If you get Katarkov Heroes, they have the ruins on the map, but they don't have ruined cards. So you don't have to worry about that if you only have Katarkov Heroes. And another thing is... They changed um, the season. So normally, I think it was like eight, eight, seven, six, uh -huh. and now it's eight, seven, seven, six. Oh wow! Yeah, so you have less uh, less stuff that comes out because of the the way the the numbers add up. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. All right, photographer of heroes. And my number one, um, I have a love hate relationship with the original game. Um, Seven Wonders is what I'm going to talk about because Seven Wonders. I don't like it. I've just never been a big fan of it. It's okay at best. Mm -hmm. Like, I will tolerate it if I play it. Seven Wonders Duel put it away for me. Seven Wonders Duel replaced it for me. And so when they announced Seven Wonders Architects, I was like, okay, what's different about this? And at first I thought it was an expansion. Then they're like, no, no, you're playing Seven Wonders in a way. You're not drafting, um, but you're building up your Seven Wonders. It is, they took everything about Seven Wonders and somehow streamlined it. Yeah. Because if I wanted to streamline Seven Wonders drafting game, I'm playing Sushi Go. Yeah. But, and this isn't necessarily drafting, but what makes it neat is that every wonder has a deck of cards that kind of, uh, kind of goes with like their, their style of cards. Yeah. Right. And you shuffle up that deck and you put it on your left. Well, on your turn, you can choose either the top pile of your deck, the top pile of the, of the player on the right side's deck. Uh, to your right, because it's in between the players, or a random card off the top of the middle deck, which just has like a slew of everything. That's it. You just trade in sets of them, 
you have a couple of, of skills that come from Seven Wonders originally, or Seven yeah. Wonders Duel, that they put into this. It's incredibly simple. It's super streamlined. It's really fun. It still plays the seven players, and it does it better than everybody. It's a little slower because everybody's taking turns, but your your turns are faster than in Ticket to Ride. Yeah, like, no. Yeah, like, I do want to try this one. It looks really good. It's fast. I've I'm I can't believe how fast it really is. Really? Okay. It it goes probably thirty minutes, maybe. Okay. Yeah, no, I I was intrigued when they announced this because I heard they they pull a little bit from Seven Wonders Duel. They yep. streamline Seven Wonders down. Right. And I'm like, that I like Seven Wonders Duel. So if you're pulling stuff from Seven Wonders Duel, this, this might even replace Seven Wonders Duel for me. Really? Yeah. I, I have to check this one out. I haven't played Seven Wonders Duel in a while, and I'm wondering, do I? I think I still own it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Seven Wonders Architects is hands down significantly better. I, All right, cool. I can't encourage it. And the better. fact that it's a Seven Wonders multiplayer game that isn't just two player only right. makes it uh, intriguing to me. Because exactly, I like Seven Wonders Duel, but you can only play with two people, and if you're having a game night with four to five people, yeah, well, sorry. And I'm not going to about to bust out Seven Wonders. Oh, heck enough. no. Yeah. Uh, so my number one and your number three are the same game, and that's yep. why we waited on it. Yep. And it's one from one of our favorite designers. Absolutely. Summer Camp by Phil, Phil Walker, Walker Harding. Harding. The reason why I put this on my list, I saw it. I'm like, this has to go on my list. It was my first honorable mention that I <laughs> thought of. And it's because it is by far one of the best deck builders um, yeah. that you can play. And... I honestly think if you're talking about like uh, I think Dice Tower calls them welcoming games now, yep. um, or gateway games and stuff like that. This yep. is a gateway game for people who haven't played a deck builder before. So if you're introducing family members or uh, people who are familiar with gaming but they're just new to the hobby, and you're like, oh hey, let's let's try this deck builder. Um, I know you've heard you're making reference. Like if someone came to the shop yep. and said, hey, I've heard this thing about deck building. What game would you recommend? This is the one this I the would one. bust out. Yeah. Just because of how simple it is. How easy it is. You're basically just racing your people uh, down the, the pathway of three different yeah. areas. Playing cards. Trying to collect as much points as you can. And adding cards to your deck. Making it go by faster. Trying Certain ones allow you to shed your deck. Making it easier to use your more powerful abilities. But it is, it is so phenomenal. And the thing is, it you play only three packs. There's eight nine in the box there's seven there's seven yeah so you're gonna be able to play different combinations yep. throughout the entire game it's easily expandable because you could add more stuff just on the right. cardways and add the to the pathways you don't even need that more boards or anything like that plus you can set up the board differently every time mm -hmm. because it's nine small boards that can be just mixed up and so right. your rewards will be different on each path Compared to the last game you played, yep, it's a phenomenal and game. You can combo it. You can do all sorts of cool stuff. It's yeah. Uh, my go-to will be Clank. Yeah. No, give, don't get me wrong. Clank is a good gateway deck builder. Uh, in a sense, this one is much simpler. It yeah. is just basically what Phil Walker Hardy does. He finds a mechanism that he likes and he streamlines it to its basic core and makes a great game around that. That's right. And I truly love Summer Camp. That's right. All right, cool. So then those are our honorable mentions. Um, I think we're just about ready. Yep. And of course, when we're doing our debate, anybody who's joining us live, the benefit of joining us live is you get to join in on the debate. Tell us your opinion. You might be able to sway one of us. 
um, because we will be deciding this uh, from the top eight. But regardless of that, uh, just our opinion, it's not just that. We try to be as objective as possible. Yes. We have five criteria that we're going to be ranking these on. These criteria are simply, uh, we start with ease of play. Um, How simple is the game? Or how familiar are the mechanisms that somebody can get into? Yeah. If you have to, if you have to read like an hour long rule book just to figure it out, it's probably not as that. Um, how likely you can get it to the table either by the mechanisms, like if it's a roll and move somehow. Yeah. Or that's that's decent. Or if the theme is attractive to people. Or finally, how prone to analysis paralysis? This is a negative mark on it. Yeah. Um, and that's like if somebody's going to be. If it's giving you a million options and somebody's going to take, like, you know, an hour long on their turn, that like the shiny dice game, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, like the Firefly game that we talked about in a previous episode. Or a future episode. It'll be a future episode <laughs> coming up. If it's convoluted and, and people are just taking their turn and you're just waiting there yeah. um, because your head is hurting so bad because of just considering all the different options, then that can be a detriment to the game. Which he was showing a demonstration of analysis paralysis there a minute ago. <laughs> Which was? <laughs> just keep it going. Just keep, just it, keep going. it going. Just keep it going. <laughs> yeah. yep. All right. So the next one on our list here is replay value. This is the length of time and scaling well the game. Um, if you add more players, how much more of the time becomes? Does a one-hour game that plays fine at three players become a three-hour slog at six players? That kind of thing could problem is the a one or two player game as what good as a four player game. Right. That's what we mean by that minimum number of plays to get to the full experience. This just basically means, do you play the game? You play chess once you kind of know how to play it. You're not good at it, but you know how to play it. Whereas something like Gloomhaven, there's a lot of stuff in there. So that gives it a chance where I'm probably about 50 games in Gloomhaven. I'm still not done with it. Right. Okay. Um, well, more like 30, but yeah, you know what I mean. Significant Plus, amount. Yeah. Right. And the expandability. And what we mean by this is already existing expansions. Up to one publisher or one possible future expansion. Um, basically, we're, we were usually it's Space Base. It's volume one. Mm-hmm. Then we're thinking there's going to be a volume two. Which they've, they've Where they finally announced there is a volume two. Yep. Or has been confirmed by the designer or publisher, and we usually use Wingspan for this reference because yep. both Elizabeth Hargrave and Jamie Stegmeyer has said they want to do an expansion for every continent. That's right. Our next criteria is meaningful choice. Uh, this is very simple. Like, how well can you strategize in the game, really? Yeah. How well do your... Uh, how the, the choices you make in each turn you take, how well it impacts other players' strategies? Mm-hmm. How will it impacts your long-term strategy which is really important you're not just playing by the you know your seat you know trying to figure it out or um how likely arbitrary choices have an impact on the gameplay and that's a negative kind of like uh analysis paralysis right exactly and it's worth noting that you know arbitrary choices could also be like it's like well none of my options are good but it could also be every option is great Therefore, mm-hmm. none of mine are. are or my choice is made by a roll of the dice or a flip of yeah, the card. Like I don't have the choice in this. Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, next one, and this is an important one for us per se, it's game immersion. Does the game fit the category best or does the theme match the mechanism? It just depends on which category we're going with. So right. I think this is more for theme matching the mechanism this, this week. Yep. 
So does it match? Uh, is it a roll and move that makes sense? Are you moving cars around the board or a racing game kind of stuff? All hell of air trash. Yeah. Uh, player interaction. Table talk. Are you getting into the role? Are you being the character you're playing as in the right. game? And specifically, this is not functionally like part of the game. Yeah. Um, but like if you're playing uh, like a social deduction game, yeah. like how likely are you going to start talking like a pirate if you're a pirate character? Yeah. You know? Uh, and also, and this is subjective, but memorable moments. What are those things that are going to make you stand up at the table yep. and scream like a moron <laughs> across the room to get everybody to turn right. their heads because you did something so amazing? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, our final of the five criteria that we have is art and production, which we understand. Subjective. You know, it is subjective. Absolutely. But, I mean, some games are just very clearly better art than others, you know. Mm -hmm. um, less subjective is the quality of the components. Like, I, I will uh, say this. Mm -hmm. Because we're doing 2021 games, yep. the art is going to be very hard because all of these are very well done. Yeah, the, all of the art on these are pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, there's not much that we'll have to argue with those. Um, next is pieces and components. And uh, that's just, you know, plastic minis. Sure, they're nice to have, but are they worth it? Are are they beneficial to the game? Um, are the there is some games that we've played where the miniatures were too big for the spots. It's like, mm -hmm. well, that becomes a problem all of a sudden. Um, and then lastly, graphic design, which uh, for our new viewers and who those who don't know us or just listening to the podcast, Daniel and I are both colorblind. Colorblind, color friendly is very important, but also, I mean, like for non colorblind people. What if it's like covered in icons? Do those icons make sense? Do they are, are they, they easily yeah yeah? Can you understand what it is, or is it just a block of text? Like, are you going to sit there reading a paragraph every time you take a turn? Or and I like using um, pandemic for this. Uh -huh. The graphic design. Uh, do the lines make sense? Can you connect where you need to go? The right. is it going there? And what I like about what they did with pandemic, the graphic design, they give you the coordinates where you can find where your cards are yes. on the board. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's smart. Yeah. It, that makes sense. And finally, the last thing, it's not really one of our criterias, but if we can't come up with a consensus of which you move on, we go to the fan votes. And that's why it's important. If you ever go to board game revolution and see one of our top eight debate polls, put your vote in and put your two cents in because that is our tiebreaker. Yep. That's right. We leave it up to the audience to decide. So each one of these rounds, we're going to pair a head-to-head -head game, um, a highest seed versus our lowest seed of what we haven't debated so far. We'll flip the coin of doom, and that will decide who debates first. We'll also shake up the cup of doom, which Daniel is doing now, and decide who gets which one for us to make a, an argument for, and then we'll decide at that point. So the first one, you will be debating first, and this is Ankh versus Juicy Fruits. I get onk. Okay. You get juicy fruits. I will get juicy fruits. And apparently another game that was in the cup. <laughs> From months ago. Let's see what game it was. Hold on. Uh, squirrel. Yep. El Grande. El Grande. <laughs> well, El Grande was not a 2021 game. <laughs> not quite. All right. So I got to argue onk. I will say this. If it was going up against any other game in this list, I would give it art and production. <laughs> yes. But Juicy Fruits is really, really well produced too. The minis are great on Ankh. Um, yep. They're they're very. Uh, is is a Simon also? Yes, it's okay. a Simon. So I mean, come on. Uh, it's a very pretty game, mind you. It's um, 
<laughs> very brown. By, yeah, very brown. <laughs> because it's in an Egyptian desert. So yeah. I do like some of the mechanism in the game. There's one, you know, let's talk about it. The uh, We didn't get to see it because we had to leave. But the merging. Uh, yeah. I've heard really bad things about the merging um, with it. So I'm not sure how I feel about that part of the game. I was intrigued by it. I really enjoyed right. it. Um, mm -hmm. I was enjoying it. But they call it a trilogy game. It's with Blood Rage, Rising Sun, and this one. I wasn't as enamored with this game as I was with the other two. No. Um, you haven't played Blood uh, Rising Sun, so right. I do. I do like Egyptian lore and stuff like that. So it's not easy to play. It's not going to win ease of play. I, I can tell you that much. No. Uh, like I said, it could have a push for art and production. It's going to work well from there. Replay value now. It's a, a Simon Kickstarter. It came with like four, four or five expansions when it right. kickstarted. So it's probably going to get the replay value part of the game. Maybe. Just by the expansions alone. You yeah, don't, probably. Uh, meaningful choice. Huh? I the don't think scaling it's, is not great. No, the scaling oh. is not great. Um, I've heard it's pretty decent like at a three player game but afterwards it just it gets becomes yeah. a slog me personally i like donk i just don't think it should go on okay yeah i i don't disagree with you i did not enjoy or i did not enjoy i did not mind the experience um it is I, good i just want to say real quick uh illuminous is right rising sun is still magnus opus yes that is i love that that mm. i need to try it one of these days <laughs> um yeah so i'm gonna argue for uh juicy, juicy fruits, fruits. Now, Juicy Fruits, I bought it based on, once I learned about the main mechanism, that you just slide a tile, take that many actions of that tile. How many spaces? Yep, however many spaces. So if I move it two spaces, I take it twice. So if I'm moving, like, the tomato piece, I get two tomatoes. Simple as that. You have big, chunky wooden bits. That mechanism is incredibly fast. The setup is really smart. You have two different ways to play it. You know, it... Everything makes sense for the setup, except for the colors. The orange and green, I don't agree with them choosing those two, because it does hurt us a little bit. But, with that being said, it wasn't so much that, like, that's just functional for setup. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with the gameplay itself. And it plays quickly. Uh, it plays incredibly fast. It took us longer to figure out how to play the game than actually play the game. Than to play the game, yeah. Because when we were done, we are like, wow, that's it? Oh yeah. my, I want to play this again. Like, that... It's rare that I get that moment where I'm like, I want to play this game again right now. I kind of wanted to do that the very first time we played it. Yeah. And, and I've and played it a number of times ever since, and it always has that same reaction. Everybody's, it's a really satisfying puzzle. Chung, 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 and chung. let's just uh, to be honest here. This game we played mm, once, like in June or something like that. Yes. Had a great time playing it. I still remember it. It snuck on our top 100, both of our top yes. 100 games yep. of all time, by one play. Right. And so, I almost, I mean, I don't want to discredit people who voted for Onk. Because no, I don't no, think no. that, yeah. I think the people who liked Onk as much as they do. And I, I appreciated Onk. I liked it better than Blood Rage, easily. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about Rising Sun. I haven't played it yet. But Blood Rage, hands down, it was better. Because I like the simplicity of the mechanism. Of just you choose two of the actions, you move one forward, move the piece forward. Yeah. That's your action. There's only four actions, but it can't beat the simplicity of slide a tile, take an action, done. Yeah, ease of play, honestly, juicy fruits. Yeah. You go into art and production. I think both of this are pretty good. The art I like better in um, 
juicy fruits just because it's more vibrant, more tropical. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the production value, as good as the wood chunkies are, I'll give the minis to Ankh. Yeah. Graphic design, I mean, for juicy me, fruits. juicy fruits, the graphic yeah. design, Makes just sense. because that slide board, the only thing with us is the, the color blindness. But even then, we can still kind of tell the orange and the green apart. Yeah, just it's because only they for have, setup. It's not, yeah. It does not functionally stop the game. Replay value, I think, goes to Ankh. Yes. Uh, meaningful choice. I I have to get that to Juicy Fruits myself. Yeah. And game immersion. I got more immersed in Juicy Fruits than I did Onk. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So, believe it or not, we're going to start with an upset. Sorry for everybody who voted for Onk, but we are going with Juicy Fruits. Moving Which on. Which is going to be our number eight seed. And Illuminous just told me, please change that when I think, I think based on the comment, like, I haven't played like Rising, Rising Suns yeah. yet. It's really good. It's just hard to get uh, three players because you have to play it with three minimum. Right. And, and Illuminous, have you played either of these two games or what are your thoughts? Um, going on to our next round, Rising Sun, I'm sorry, Red Rising versus Rolling Realms. It's the Stonemeyer bracket. The Stonemeyer R and R bracket. Bracket, yeah. Red Rising, Rolling Realms. There's yeah. a lot of R's. Um, I have on open, but. All right, yeah. So, you own all, haven't played Juicy Fruits yet. I highly suggest Juicy Fruits. It's a really satisfying yeah. little puzzle. Alright, so this next one, I'll be starting us off, and I'll be arguing for... Rolling Realms. Rolling Realms. Okay, so, you said it in a future episode that <laughs> Rolling Realms was created as a pastime for... Past episode. Past, was it the past it episode? It was on the first episode. Okay, quick. So, in a past episode... Jamie Stegmeyer created it as kind of a way to pass time, like get people involved in like his design process, how he did it. He started off with a concept. He made a quick prototype. He had people play it online, got live feedback. First off, I just want to give a shout out, if anything else, to Jamie Stegmeyer for doing that because I know I tuned into those, uh, his live plays. I played w along with it. I did yeah. a print and play of it. Um, that was what we needed. In 2020, we absolutely needed that. Like, and the fact that he did that, um, the, it it was it was fantastic that he did that. So, regardless of the game itself, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, this is not a. This is the new Roll and Write. Um, has nothing to do with Charterstone, though. Actually, it does. Well, I mean, no, technically. Right? <laughs> technically, so, uh, so basically, those for who don't know what Rolling Realms is, it's a roll and write game. Right. And the reason why it's Rolling Realms because each of the cards that you're playing with are based off a game in the Stonemeyer library. Right. Uh, and each of them do their own thing. So yes, there is a Charterstone card in there that um, whatever it is. Boxes. Yeah. So what you do is because you're going to roll two dice every turn, and everybody's going to take those numbers. So if I roll a five and a two, if I take the five and put a two down in the crates back there, and if I say I have like three or four twos in one of those crates, if you roll a two again, you can take that die and open all those crates, which would give you your stars for that card. Right. And he does that for every single one that where it kind of plays off of the actual game, like right. using the dice, this does this, like uh, Scythe. You do this, you get a star down here if you have the number or the resource to pay for it. Right. And the system is really simple. You roll two dice, pick one. You know, mm -hmm. we've seen that in other places like... Um, well, you take, uh, you pick both of them. Super it's skill. just that one die goes into one realm, right. the second one die goes into the other realm. Right, exactly. So it 
it's cool how it works. I think it's for a roll and write. It's really innovative. The fact that you're using all these different realms, one of which would not be played like for each of the games. You know, oh, you play over two of them. Yeah, you play over three rounds and you choose three realms each. You know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of replayability and that adds in room for you know any future games he publishes. He could throw a rolling realms card in it. In it, yeah. You know, and that would be fun for anybody who does it. Um, easy expansions and it's. It's almost infinitely replayable because of that. <laughs> yeah, it changes. You know, and I I think... And those dice are amazing. The, the the components are really well done. Dry erase cards. Yeah, dry erase cards right. is really good. So, I mean, I hate to say it. I Honestly, I liked Red Rising. I think this should move on. All right, so I get to argue Red Rising and why I think it should move on. Okay. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I'm a Stonemaier fanboy. I will fully admit that. I own every single one of the games. Actually, you see most of, or a lot of them over his head right there. And they just keep going up. They're, they're literally two shells straight up. But um, I like Rolling Realms. It's good. Uh, the only thing is the art on the cards aren't all that great. The production value is through the roof for it. Yeah. But I love the way Red Rising goes and this combos and this combos and this combos. And then, hey, I don't want any gray, so let me do... Stonemaier versus Stonemaier. Yeah, this is tough. Especially when we're going to like art and production. <laughs> what is this game? Right. I really like the art and rolling uh, Rising Sun. Or Red Rising. And we keep thinking of Rising Sun. We... Right. I, I love the card play in it too because you put one card down. You can pick up from a different area where you grab up. And so your card could have a special ability when you play it down. Mm-hmm. The one you pull up, you get the special ability of the location you do. Um, it's got a little area control. It's got a little bit moving up to try to trigger. Seven is the triggers uh, all over the board. Uh, and Luminous agrees Red Rising should move on. Uh, it's just like I go through the thing. I think Rolling Rolls will ease a play, but it's not that simple for a thing because you got to learn what each realm does. Right. And sometimes I have to explain it to a couple times when I'm teaching new I, players. And I don't disagree, but you only teach three at a time, one. Mm-hmm. And once you get the concept of the first round, it makes more sense. But Red Rising, you have to know what the factions do and how they pertain well, to each other. You don't need to know how to, what the factions do. You just need to read the card. Yeah, but that's a lot of reading and that's a lot of overhead. Uh, yeah, I that's mean, true. With, without knowing the backstory or, but or you, playing you, it, it's it's a lot you to don't, The thing is, you don't need to know the backstory to play Red Rising. And in fact, it has no spoilers other than who the characters are oh, in I know. the game. But it makes more sense, though. When, no, when you do it. not really. I've uh, read the first book, and I've I got a buddy the, who's read the entire series, and the game itself is just using the characters and si- kind of what the stuff does. I, I can't give you that. It's easier. Uh, no, no, no I'm not saying Red Rising's okay. easier. I said Rolling Realms is easier. It's just okay, Rolling, Rolling Realms. Realms. It's not as easy as it's you not, make it sound. No, it's not as easy as most Rolling Rights. <laughs> yeah. I give you that. It's the mo- it's one of the more complicated. I know Red Rising can lead to more. Um, analysis paralysis too. Yes. That's why I'm saying ease of play is okay. rolling realms hands Agreed. down. Yeah. Aren't production? I just think Red this Rising. one, Red Rising, just ekes yep. it out. Yep. Uh, replay value. You're not going to see all the cards in one playthrough right. of Red Rising. You're, or rolling realms. I've seen all cards in two games. Right. I played two games of it, and I've seen everything. And I didn't even choose. It was all sure. random. Red Rising. You'll play multiple games before you see all the cards because sure. there is a lot in yeah. there. Um, but it is more expandable, though. It's Rolling Realms. Rolling Realms is, yeah, because you can always just make one more thing. Right. But doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do it. He's not agreed with it. 
is this the holiday podcast? No, um, we're just kind of reviewing the end of the year. Yeah, so the, our debate right now is the top eight games of 2021 that we, him and I have both played. Uh, meaningful choice. I think there's just a lot more meaningful choices in Rolling, or not Rolling Realms, uh, Red Rising. Okay, I give you that. I do agree with that. Because there's plethora of cards on the table. Okay. You have like a choice where if you don't want to take anything, if you like what's in your, your stack, then you could just scout. Yeah. And basically just try to collect stuff to help it trigger the end game. Right. And game immersion. Oh, that one's tough. Yeah, because Red Rising, so I don't know anything about the theme on Red Rising, but here's the thing with game immersion. Um, in game in game immersion, do the theme match the mechanisms in Rolling Realms? <laughs> they, they match it really the does. It matches every game that you are doing. You're playing like it's kind of like a super mini version of whatever game you're playing. And that's really big. No, like, that, that, that's yeah, no, hard I... to do, but it, and it does it well. Well, Red Rising, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass that to you because I don't know the theme. So I don't know how accurate that theme is, is being portrayed with the mechanism. giving spoilers of the series, it does match the theme pretty okay. well. Because the gold then are very powerful and the gold cards are very powerful. The, the red cards are... Uh, people who are fighting for their freedom. Yeah. And you can see that with how very attacky they can be at times. Or like, this person needs this person with them. And this way they can do like an uprising type thing. So it does fit in that thematic sense if okay. you're familiar with the series. Then I'm willing to say Red Rising goes on then. Well, like based it would, on that. It would have gone on anyways because I already won three of the... Oh, did it? Yeah. Art and production, replay value, a meaningful choice. Oh, we didn't agree on replay value, but either way. Yes, yeah, you said. I'll choice. give you that. Okay. Well, whatever. That's fine. I will. So it's going to go up against uh, Argle Bargle, Argle Bargle. <laughs> so Red Rising is moving on. Uh, so we'll take that out. We'll take uh, that one out. And in flames, nine nine one. Thank you for joining us too, as well. We appreciate you. All right. So where is All this? Right. Our this next one? one will be our number three seed, Cubitos versus. Uh, horrified American monsters. Did we actually go through like our normal like, breakdown of what which what our seeds were? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think we did because we're trying to push this in under two hours. Gotcha. Okay. So normally we go do the back and forth. Yeah. But all right, let's see here. So Cubitos versus horrified American monsters. I'll be starting us off, and which one am I arguing? Cubitos. For? Cubitos. Actually, I between the two, I do think uh, this is one that I, I do think should move on. And that's because Horrified, this is the sequel. And in comparison to the original, I think it's a disappointment. Where Cubitos takes, you know, a deck builder or a dice builder and ramps it up to 11. It's a racing game where you are buying dice, trying to move as fast as you can, trying to use the abilities effectively. Using the multiple dice idea is that as long as you roll any symbol on any of your dice, you can keep going and press your luck, right? And everybody's doing it simultaneously, too. So it's like this cool little, like, dice chucking round. And so as you're dwindling on the dice, depending on what kind of dice you have, some have more symbols, some have fewer symbols. I love that press your luck idea of it. And he even balances it away from it. So you don't ever, you don't ever bust on the first turn. You have to get set aside at least three dice before you're allowed to bust. So, I mean, if you just have garbage rolls, well, you'll you'll always have at least three dice you can go off of. And so it helps mitigate that. 
And the fact that there's like 56 cards or something, each one of the eight, ab eight dice types have multiple abilities that you can play with, that, that's insane amounts of replay value. That's, yeah. I mean, if you want to play everything, technically you could go with like seven or eight different games minimum to see every card. And that's not even every combination. That's just every card. Yeah. So, and you have multiple boards. You have different scenarios for the boards. You have, if you do bust, you go up on like the the favor track and like the audience starts cheering for you more. The components are really good. The boxes, I don't have a problem with the boxes like like some people do. I hate the boxes. I know. I, I, I don't have that big of a problem with and them I, personally. The dice are nice. I just think they're too small and honest. Sure, yeah. But, I mean, it's a lot of dice. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of dice. The thing is, those boxes make it look like there's more dice than there are. <laughs> just... Right. Sure. I don't blame you on that one. No, it's. I think it was AEG's attempt to, to do what Red Rising is supposed to do, where they had it, um, where they had all of the uh, component. Like, they, they didn't have an insert. They have all the components create the insert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it technically had an insert, but I threw it away. There's no reason to have that insert in it at all. But, overall, I think it's just a just a better game and and that's saying how much i like horrified the original but i didn't i had some gripes against the remake so go for it i understand those gripes with the remake too the for one thing everything's basically three spaces apart there's no yeah. really escaping anything you, um, you can get any space to any space on the board just yeah. about and the one that really bothered me, and this goes on the graphic design, is the typos on the actual pieces. I can under, yeah. I can handle typos in a rule book. It sucks as long as it doesn't give you like a game breaking rule or something yep. like that. But on the game pieces, there's uh, one that actually comes up as police station when they're meeting sheriff station. The only problem is there's also a ranger station. Yeah. So that that is a big issue. I yeah. do like Horrified. And I I do like the American Monster ones. Yeah. I love some of the stuff that they're doing. Like I love playing against Bigfoot. I love the fact that you're just trying to reveal Bigfoot yeah. as a real cryptid. But again, if I had to choose between the two, I'm going to pick the first one. Yeah. Uh just because I like the Universal Monster movies right. better. But also it just it's like I was uh telling Illuminous here. It's really that good. That's why it took over. It's a very popular game. It's in my number 2 all-time game surprising right. even me on that right. yeah the, the original is phenomenal and and even with the hype like i wasn't expecting this to be as good or yeah. you or better i was expecting it to be at least as good and i love cryptids mm -hmm. like that that i like that way better than the than the universal monsters yeah but it let me down well, I will say this about the game it's beautiful it's well produced the graphic design is yeah. well except for the typos on the pieces, like I said, I can handle a typo in a rule book as long as it doesn't break any right. rules. But on the actual pieces, how did that not get fixed or, right. or seen? And another big thing about it, too, is some of the monsters that they deem easy are not that easy. Like the, right. the what is it, the goat Banshee of the Badlands, the one with the violin? Yeah. It's, if you work on it, that's fine. It's really simple. But when you have the other two monsters on the board and you have to concentrate them on as well, right. the Banshee just starts steamrolling you. Yeah. And so once your your violin, one of the violins pop, pops into the bottom, you start moving that terror track yeah. up. I think it's one of the more difficult ones. Uh, I understand why Bigfoot's difficult because he has to move for you to get footprints where you can start developing film and flipping right. the, the pieces over and putting the proper puzzle. 
I'm okay with that difficulty on it because it makes sense and it's fun. You have a great time with it. With the yep. Banshee of the Badlands, it's just it kind of it's kind of game breaking at times when you're like, well, we should concentrate on this because they keep taking all the stuff over there, and you start ignoring her. And she's usually the lowest one on the monster card, so she's going to probably pop off every turn. So maybe you got to start concentrating over there, and then it moves. Right. And so it just, it's ramped up more difficulty. And another issue with Horrified American Monsters is because Horrified was so good because it was Prospero Hall. Yeah. This was a whole different designer based off of Prospero Hall's design. Which is a fine designer in his own right. Yeah. But, but it doesn't have the as streamlined as it should be compared to yeah. the original Horrified. You, you can tell where the standards lay. Yeah. Like where how Prospero Hall approaches their designs. Honestly, I think they also try to they push this out. Especially when you think about it with Prospero Hall too, about the streamlining. Yep. They're a group. So one yep. person's job is to do this, one person's job to do this. This guy may have had people working with him, like the, the publisher. Right. But it was just him doing it by himself. And sometimes that's good. Right. Or bad, but at least Prospero Hall had the the team behind everything. Right, exactly. But I'm going to go through the list real quick. Uh, Kubitos is he's a play. Uh, Horrify can lead Horrified to more. Easier. Yeah, maybe a little bit more analysis paralysis, yep. but uh, we ran into it when we played Kubitos. Yeah, um, I think I think and choosing the dice properly, what you right. want, can lead, slow things down. Right. Uh, Art production. Both of them are produced really well. I think I give a slight edge to the Kabitos because... It doesn't the, have typos. It doesn't have typos. And the dice faces are different for they're all the dice clear. over there, except for yep. the... Like, if it's all the light blue dice, they're all the same. But they're very cool what they're doing, and they're all right. designed. The minis, though, <laughs> are great and horrified. That's one of the best Bigfoot minis I've ever seen. Right. But I think Kabitos wins arts of production. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, replay value. Kabitos. Yes. Hands down. Uh, meaningful choices. Uh, both are really good about this. Uh, that was, this one's tough for me. I would say horrified just because you're, when you're in the race, you're not really affecting someone else's strategy. You're, you're, the only effect is you're pushing your luck and you're trying to move across the board. Uh, I think, uh, horrified wins meaningful choice game immersion. They're both pretty good. Uh, Kubitos, I, I think, personally, just because, matches the mechanism better. Yeah, absolutely. Just because you're rolling, it's exciting, you're moving along, you're yeah. trying to... Trying, you're getting like, into when you it, see you're one person talking. jumping ahead, you're like, oh no, I need to start figuring yeah, this out. Well, and you're trash-talking, too, the whole time, because yep. you're trying to egg them on to push their luck, and that, yes. that's just the inherent thing about... With racing, yeah. And, and the fact yep. is, since it's a race game, you are... If, if you're a racer, you're getting into it because you're trash talking the other racers on the field. Agreed. Like, why, why are you guys so far behind? Why, why are you way over there? Right. Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree more. So I think you and Kibitos. I agree. Kibitos yep. is moving on. And so now it goes into our final of the of the quarterfinal round. We have uh, Alien Fate of Nostromos versus Bullet Heart. I think it's just called Bullet, but the heart is the base set. The yeah, original one. Because there's a Bullet Orange. Alright, and you're going to be starting us off. And Bullet Star coming up soon. Yep. The one I get is Bullet Heart. I know, you would want you wanted that I one. I did. I did want that. That's okay. I might have a chance to target it again. <laughs> Honestly, I should give you Bullet Heart because you know the designer and you playtested right. it, but you know how it goes. Yep. <laughs> bullet Star. 
Bullet Heart is probably one of the best push your luck games. Uh, yeah, it's push your luck because it's yeah. bag building and bag bi- building speed. It feels it's feel, like a yeah, bullet it's, <laughs> You're honestly, I don't really know how to describe it other than anxiety. Yep, because <laughs> it plays quickly too. You can play it like 15 minutes. If you're playing a solo game, it's right 10 if that. Right. And when we're going through this list. It's easier than Alien. I'll give it that. I had to teach Alien. It was not that easy. Nope. Even as simple as it is. Uh, art and production. Uh, Alien's really well produced. I like the minis in it. They're pretty good. The art's okay. I just like the art in Bullet. And I'm not a huge anime art guy. Right. But it's got... And I'm just not even talking about the art in this game. Because we talk about the art. But let's talk about the production value. Well, before we get... Let's talk about the art real quick. Because, one... They chose to go all heroines, mm-hmm. like they nothing but a female cast. And on top of that, level ninety nine did them a good service because, <laughs> like you would imagine, dungeon crawl like here, like female characters. It's like you're wearing basically a bikini. That's yeah, yeah, stupid. Yeah. That's not armor. These characters are are clothed in a way that makes absolute sense to their character and their style. Yeah, no, it makes sense, and they didn't. They didn't. No, no. That. They're not yeah. doing it for anime fanboys. No. They just happen to have artists that are really good at anime style. And here's the thing about you're saying the deluxe tokens for Bullet Heart. Yeah, it's the the tokens are really nice deluxe wise. I have the basic game. I have the cardboard yeah. tokens in there phenomenal. Yeah. Uh the bags are amazing and I'm talking about the production now. Yeah. Because there's one thing um that this game has that none of these has. Which is a built-in soundtrack for each heroine yes. that you're using. That production they, value. Yeah, yeah, they produce that just for this game. And yep. because it also helps with the timer, too. That and, is a timer. And, and you feel the anxiety with it because yeah. they're so fast-paced. Mm-hmm. Really good. Uh, it is top-notch production. Uh, the replay value, two expansions that we know of right now. One's already out, one's coming out. Um, the meaningful choices. I would maybe, probably maybe give that one to Alien, Alien yeah. because you're basically depending on what's coming out of the bag. And finally, game immersion. I just I get into Bullet when I play it. It's yeah. just amazing. Oh yeah, game. It, a, their goal was to make a game that feels like a bullet hell because that's what it is. That's why it's called Bullet. And for those of you guys who don't know what a bullet hell is, it's a video game where there's just constant like onslaught of like bullets and things that will kill you like heading towards you and you're trying to dodge them while you're trying to take out the the boss or or fire back or stop them in some way and you're trying to maneuver around these that is the pieces that you're pulling are bullets Mm. and you're you hate every second of every single one of those you pull but you need them yeah excuse me you need them to win you need them to load the bullets on everybody else Every round you get more, and you add more to your bag, and you pass more to the opponents, <laughs> and it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And Again, you can deal like with I it. said, this is Anxiety the Board Game. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> but good. Yeah. Uh, so you can argue Aliens. So okay, I am going to argue Aliens because um, I played both this and Nemesis, and having not watched any of the movies, um, I definitely felt the theme in in the Alien the Board Game. And I, I you know... It, it was more engaging, yeah. you know, honestly. Like, I like this better than Nemesis. It, I have to agree was, with you. Yeah. I do like this more. And also and, because I love the theme, too. Right. And because they took everything, like, yeah, Nemesis is good, right? And it's solid for what the game is trying to do. The problem that I have with, and I, I hate to compare the two, but that's really 
kind of what Nemesis was trying to do. Yeah. It was convoluted. Uh, it, right. it was trying to do everything. Whereas this, it's just like, no, we're going to give you the task. It, you'll encounter a lot of stuff, but you don't have to deal with them always. And then the fact like, that they, you have where you have to just uh, save the Nostromo, but there's other stuff in the game that uh, changes yeah. the game too. So sure. there's replay value there as well. There is, absolutely. Um, I, I would not rank Aliens nearly as as low as some of the games that are on our list even, but I... I just think Bullet is a better game for all the reasons that you said. Hands down. Oh, yeah, no, I I, dis, I don't disagree with you. You know I like Alien. I think Bullet is the better game, and I'll just tell you, I think Bullet's easier to play. Yes. I think it has a better production value than Aliens. Even though yeah. Alien has a great one, that board is a little messy. Yep. Uh, replay value, Bullet. Yep. Uh, meaningful choice, Bullet. Oh, no, I'll yeah. give that one to Alien. Yep. And then game immersion, I just get more into bullet just because again the soundtrack Absolutely. helps. Absolutely, good deal. All right. All right, well that finishes our quarterfinals. So moving on was Red Rising, Cubitos, Bullet, and Juicy Fruits. Daniel, I think you had it listed of how many votes our fans uh, voted for each of the games that were eliminated. All right, so starting with Alien, the most recent one, Fate of Nostromo, it was in last place with eight or, or with zero. Zero votes. Zero votes. It's in eighth place at zero votes. Yeah. Next, uh, eliminated was Horrified American Monster. That was in sixth place with three votes, tied with Bullet. Well, actually, fifth place, tied with Bullet. Uh, moving on to Rolling Realms. That was... Where are you, Rolling Realms? Our third best vote-getter was six. Right. And finally, Onk. Our number one seed was also our number one vote-getter that got eliminated with 34 votes. Yep. Sorry, Onk. Yeah, I guess, you know, if we had our mutual friends on here who are much bigger fans of Eric Lang, they would probably push it harder, but they also were the ones who backed it. So, I mean, there is that bias going into it, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. And we try to take our bias out of it. Right. Not saying that they're biased. It's just if you if you've already researched the game to the point where you're willing to back something that expensive on Kickstarter, you're pretty much certain that you're going to like it. And even if it's bad, you'd be surprised. I uh, backed uh, Ghostbusters the board game, and I didn't like it. No, true, but at the same time, you were more willing to give it a chance. Yeah, true. Right. So our next one is going to be Red Rising versus Juicy Fruits in the first of our semifinals. You'll be starting us off. Juicy Fruits. Okay. All right. Moving on to Juicy Fruits versus Red Rising. Juicy Fruits needs to move on. I love Red Rising. I think the production value is phenomenal at Stonemaier Games. No, specifically the deluxe version. The deluxe version. No, no. The the actual the regular, regular version one is, is pretty good. good. It's but very good. The, the, the collector's edition is... Uh, I love the metal pieces in there. Right. However, um, even if you just buy the base game or the basic game, you could buy that at Target. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and actually, you could see the colors better if you're colorblind if you go with the original one. Yeah. However, um, Juicy Fruits, I just think, one, it's a much simpler game to play. The art in Red Rising, I like. I'll, I would probably say Red Rising gets the art in production. Replay value, sure. um, again, again, that goes to Red Rising just because it will take you a while to see every single card in that game. However, I just think there's a lot more meaningful choice in Juicy Fruits just because 100%. which one you're going to slide, how far you you can slide it to, yep. where you're going to place the new ones that you can get in. Like, yep. um, well, even which, like when like, to buy are the they big a split, ones. Or when you're going to do, like, which split you're going to do. You're going to do the banana, you're going to do the orange, you're going to kind of split it as evenly as possible. Mm-hmm. 
in the game immersion, I can get in to uh, Red Rising because I know the series. But Juicy Fruits, you're you're literally feel like you're you're a harvester going through the market trying to sell what you can and without. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just think Juicy Fruits should move on. It's a phenomenal game. I love Red Rising. It's probably I think it was up there on my uh, at least in the top fifty yeah. of my top one hundred. But I just. Honestly, I keep thinking about Juicy Fruits to the fact that one of my things is I don't want to own games that other people are in my game group to own. I probably want to pick this one up for myself. It was yeah. that good of a game. It really was. Yeah. So I have to argue for Red Rising, huh? Yep. Okay. So, no, Red Rising, it really did have some very interesting things. It's based off of, um, not Fantasy Realms. Yep. Is it based off Fantasy, Fantasy Realms? Realms? Yeah. Um, I think Fantasy Realms did it a little better. It was a little more streamlined. But considering I, I cared less about the theme on this one, I... Yeah. You know, it, it, unless it's a theme that I'm really into, I could care less. And it's not a theme that makes the game. And I was intrigued by the theme of this, mm-hmm. uh, especially from what you guys told me. So, and the production is really phenomenal. And it's it's not to say that it's a bad game, but in comparison between this and Juicy Fruits, Juicy Fruits it hits that perfect level of puzzle. It's a welcoming game that heavy strategic gamers can still Have put in, time, yeah. They can put in all of their effort, and they can really figure it out. And it's not going to make the game longer, just due to like the analysis paralysis. You can really just delve into it, and that level of strategy is up there with chess, in, as far as I'm concerned. Like it's that that it's part very of the crunchy for as easy yes. as it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I <laughs> I think Juicy Fruits is fantastic, and I think it should move on. I don't disagree with you. I'm, I, you know how I'm a Stonemaier fanboy, and I'll fight for them to the death. It just went up and it's a really good game. Yep, absolutely. All right. So our next one will be Cubitos versus Bullet. I already know which one I think should move on. I'm interested in seeing which one you think. We'll should find move out. On. Heads, I'll be going first. I will make a solid argument for which I want to get. That's the wrong. Oh yeah, it would help if we also had the same one. Bullet, bullet, bullet. So Illuminous is voting for bullet already. <laughs> you get bullet. Okay. I mean, uh, like I said, I can give a very solid argument for both of them because I both think so they're both back builders. They're both. Um, they both have a lot of very variety in how they can play. Um, you know. Cubitos is a racing game. There's so many different characters, components, but Bullet has Bullet a, is a racing game in a sense. Well, yeah, it's a time thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's really brutal on how it does it, but you're constantly being pummeled by by the game. But you have eight different characters that all play in different ways, and that's just the base set. But on top of that, Bullet also has like <laughs> team modes and ver- cooperative modes where you're playing against the game itself, which is awesome. Like they they took essentially a simple game of just drawing drawing pieces and and being pummeled by them and turned it into like how can they level 99 if I you know? <laughs> yeah. which is what they do. They make everything possible in their games. They take a simple concept and just ramp it up to 11. And in Bullet you do that. It's incredibly immersive. The pieces are very decent, you know, the upgrade, even with the cardboard. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't care if anybody tells me, it's like, oh, well, the pieces will eventually start waiting. No, it doesn't matter. You're pulling them from a bag. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if, if you know what piece you're, you're well, not going to be able to feel it and Like, it. if you 
can fill it and several of them filled up you don't know which one it could be yeah exactly yeah there's no way that you're going to be able to tell one piece from another unless, unless you have like, in, like very good like a uh, tactile sensitivity but Some even the timing yeah. like you're not going to notice it that quick yeah because you know? again anxiety the board game right exactly so i mean bullet it's a solid game um ha- trying to figure out how to deal with all those using your character's abilities to either push the pieces or eliminate them destroy them however you want to it's get nice them to the next to the next one yeah real-time puzzle the only argument i have against this compared to the pool building in cubitos is that I, I there's a few players that i play with that cannot handle timed aspects of it and they will sit there and they'll just want to like work out the puzzle itself and they'll like that for that part of it yeah but that's not the point of the game. No, no, I And get it. so anybody who likes the timed games, or who does not like them, who, who can't handle Which timed games, weird, will not be able to play. I'm a huge fan of timed games. You don't have to be a fan, but you can tolerate them. I can tolerate them. Yes. I'm talking people who are absolutely against like, oh, the, real-time games. the stress games. levels. I get yes. it. Yeah. They can't handle Bullet, which is probably the reason why they probably wouldn't play Bullet Hell games anyway. Yeah. And then so for me, sense. I got to argue Cubito, Cubito, Cubitos. Yes. No, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy... Uh, Bullet, and I really enjoyed Cubitos. I think they're both really good games. I think John DeClaire did a, hit another one out of the park yes, here. Um, absolutely did. Production value is through the roof, except for I hate those stupid boxes. I'm one of those people that don't like the boxes. Um, That's fair. My big thing about it is that I think the dice are too small. And all honesty, just give me a little bit bigger. I mean, they, these are like peewee dice, like really tiny. They're 12 millimeter. Yeah, they're small. You see the, the size of this hand? Well, I mean, but you also can be rolling, you know, 10, 15 dice at a time. Give me that. I like that. <laughs> Give me bigger dice for that. It's fun. Um, I just think when I'm going through this, one of them is easier than the other. I know which one I think is easier. Don't get me wrong. They're both pretty simple. It's just that you have, once you start playing Bullet you and figure out how your character plays, that's yeah. all you got to worry about other than trying to figure out how to puzzle it. Yeah. Cubitos, you have to make sure, okay, what does this happen? Oh, this is the well, where I'm going to bust if I get this one more thing. Yeah. Do I go out here and try to hit these flags so I can get points, or do I just keep going on the inside and trying to get through that race? Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff on easier that can lead to analysis paralysis. We ran into it a couple times, not a lot in Cubitos. Yeah. But um, I don't run into it with Bullet because you just can't. Yeah, if, you, <laughs> if you're the kind of person that sits there and really analyzes it, nope, you lose. Art production, for me personally, I think uh, Bullet has the better production value. Just again, the theme songs are help. They, the right. fact that they spit the time to do that, and it is part of the game. Yeah. Um, replay value, this one is a little iffy for me. Uh, it's going to be tough. I think Cubitos, just the base game alone, is going to take you a while right. to see everything. However, with all the expansions with bullets already announced or yep. are coming and out. And how do you function in different games? Yeah. Game level, you could do cooperative, you could do versus. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think there's more meaningful choices in bullet. Even though they're fast-paced, I think it's just more meaningful choices. I don't. You don't? Okay. I, I think because, the, and that's a counter-argument to timed games. I feel like it it's purposefully designed. When you do a timed game... It's designed for one to make it so somebody who who was just sit there and use analysis paralysis like it forces them to not do it, but it also preys on on your your ability to avoid mistakes 
And so the counter argument could simply be it's just, you know, like you've made less mistakes than I have Mm -hmm. in that. And that's not necessarily fair. Um, where it, it it penalizes you for making like a split decision that you that at first would be arbitrary. Okay, which one would okay? Better yet, meaningful we, choice I think goes to Cubitos. Okay, let's just say this. Uh, I already think I know where it's going. Uh, which one do you think should move on? Pro based on the five criteria bullet. I agree with you because ease of play, arm production, and replay value is all bullet. Yep, and immersion. We haven't even done game immersion, but yep. yeah, I agree meaningful with you. choice is definitely. Uh, I'll give you that. Yep. Yeah. So this is an interesting bracket here. Our Very final. Much. Yeah. All right. So our final is going to be bullet versus juicy fruits. And as always in this final round, we do not pick a side. We do not argue for it. You've already heard the arguments. We just break down each of the five criteria and which ones we think should go on based on that. Um, with that being said, uh, real quick, the ones that were eliminated... Red Rising was our second best vote getter at nine. Okay. And then finally, Cubitos, which was our three seed, was actually our fourth best vote getter at five. Okay. So here's some fun time. <laughs> You're both best. Boys. I am a little bit too, but I'll explain why later. Yeah. However, this one, we're just going to go through our criteria. We don't pick our side. Which one is jumping out of you? Um, ease of pl- uh, no, I'm sorry, meaningful choice, I think goes to Juicy Fruits. I agree with you. Hands down. Okay. On that. All right. There is not another one that actually jumps out at me no. right away other than meaningful choice. Um, replay value, I feel goes to Bullet. Bullet. Yep. Yep. And that's just because it has more expansions, it plays quicker, it plays a larger scale of people. That, and that's that's not to say. Yeah. Actually, I think technically it plays a little bit longer than Juicy Fruits because Juicy Fruits is crazy fast. Yeah, ju- but well, not. It is. We've only ever played a two player with Juicy Fruits. We don't know how. I've played multiples. Yeah, yeah I played okay. four player. It doesn't extend it that much longer. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, which one do you think is easier? Let's see here. Simplicity, familiarity of the mechanism. They're... I say that is Juicy Fruits because everybody's done that slide puzzle. Yes, it that's basically a fifteen square puzzle. Yeah. Um, whereas Bullet, it is a bag builder technically, but nah, I mean, no, you're really not bag building. Yeah. You're you're just dealing with whatever it is. You're placing wherever it goes. Yeah. Um, that's tough. Yeah, that part would probably go to um, Juicy Fruits. Let's uh, get the second one. Let's go to okay. pro, uh, analysis paralysis. Just based on what's going on with the uh, bullet, you can't have AP. Yeah, you can't. So, likelihood to get to the table based on the mechanism or the theme? I think bullet, because a lot of people who are familiar with that that uh, style of video game would probably like it. I mean, it, it's a less offensive version. Like, Juicy Fruit is a simpler, like, anybody can play it. All you're doing is sliding around yeah. fruit. You but know? a lot of people are familiar with like those slide puzzles. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I think based on the theme, um, Juicy Fruits, based on the mechanism, bullet. Bullet. Uh, so we're basically going to say a push. But at the same time, the video gamers... But not a gonna... lot of people are video gamers no. play board games. Um, agreed. So a board gamer would probably pick Juicy Fruit over a video gamer playing, picking bullet. So Could again, be. it goes back to a push on that one. Okay, we'll call it a push. Ease of play is a tie. Okay. Um, we've already done meaningful choice. Yep. Game immersion. Oh. Does 
Does the game fit the the? Does the mechanisms match the theme? And I, pull I it pull hands it, down. Yeah, hands yeah. In. on that part. Player, Player interaction. interaction. Honestly, I think that one goes the bullet too. Yeah, because you're pushing stuff onto other people's boards right. and putting it in their bags too. And and memorable moments are both full of memorable. Moments. Oh yeah, yeah. But at I would say that's a wash. So it means bullet moves on for that part. All right, we're down to art and production. Art and production. The art. Which one do you think has better art? Bullet. I agree. I, yeah. I honestly, there's not a lot of and art in Bullet the thing. compared to Juicy Fruit. The company that publishes Juicy Fruit, uh, I think it's Capstone Games. Yeah. I hate their covers. I don't know what it is. Like, there's something just so bland about their covers. <laughs> yeah. Savannah Park is the same way. That this is the same, you know. There's yeah, so many. They also did that uh, cover never New, sells me. Is New York Zoo, right, with uh, Uwe Rosenberg? Yes. Yeah. There's just something like you look at the covers. You're like, it's not a bad cover. It's just there's something about it. It's like it just falls flat for me. That's just my opinion. But is as, it Cloud Age Capstone? Well, that's a pretty decent cover. Cloud Age is a phenomenal cover. I think you're right. I think it is Capstone. Now yeah, it is Capstone. Okay. Well, then I will eat my words on it as far as that game goes, but this <laughs> one I don't think does it for me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, I like Bullet's art. It's way up there. I actually still have it on my shelf of shame, which shouldn't yeah. be there. Yeah. And I like the evil versions of it, like when you're playing against cooperatively. Oh, when you're doing the co-op, Of the heroines. Yeah, yeah like you, you make them evil. Like, that. that's cool. Uh, so, and then you have pieces of components. Uh, that would go to Juicy Fruits. I think, yeah, I was going to say, just because I have the deluxe, or I have the basic, you have the deluxe. The deluxe is great. Yeah. But compared to Juicy Fruits, you could just buy the base game in, in a, any store. Yeah. And, and have the chunky wood the bits, chunky wood good, bits. the cardboard, the tiles are good. All like, right. So yeah. which is the better graphic design? I personally think it's bullet. Just because it's easy to read as everything's coming down. Right. Uh, once you learn your character, and it only takes you a few uh, things to do it. Like, okay, okay, this is my special ability. This came up. I can use this. Right. I would say it's a push. And, that, and the reason I'm saying that is because I am very much biased towards Bullet. Because I gave feedback to the designer, uh, who's also the graphic designer, too. Um that there was one very specific thing when he had me play testing, knowing I was colorblind, that made it difficult for mm. me, and he had fixed it. And that was because on the top of so it, so what you you're know saying is you got to rescind yourself. I from I should realistically I should take myself out of that because he made a change based on my suggestion. I will, you know what? I'll say it's going to be a push, which means art production won't be a push. Okay. Which means bullet still wins. Wow. So, our podcast, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting it, but our podcast, uh, Everyday Board Games, has just decided that the best game of 2021 that you and I have both played is, is Bullet. Bullet. I don't disagree with this pick. I thought it was going to be Juicy Fruit, in all honesty. Yeah, me too. But by, based on our criteria, because even if I gave the graphic design to, uh, I don't think I could give the dra graphic design to Juicy Fruit. I really think Bullet has... Right. The better I graphic agree. design, like you said, it's colorful bullets. Uh, they're easy enough for me to read who's colorblind. Right. The, and... Some of the colors do mess with me. But the, the thing I was telling you about that in that argument, so there is an icon above each of the columns. Yeah. And each of the bullets, the designs are technically different. They're fairly similar, but they're, they are technically different. 
they were originally right on the very top line. So if you were to put a deluxe piece on that spot, you would not see the icon anymore. And Ithri's not in the chat, so we can't give him right. props to having the best game of 2021. So you got to text know. him. So I, I will send him a message. Normally, one of our common viewers, Ithri, um, he is the designer of that game. And he was, he's been a friend of the podcast for a long time. He is just all around cool dude, um, very awesome guy, and we are more than happy to the best game. And honestly, this was no bias. We, I honestly thought Juicy Fruit was going to pull it out. Yeah. It only came out of you nowhere. Know, I won't even tell him. I'm just going to tell him, hey, it's in the running. Like it was in our top eight. You should like listen to our debate and see what you think. Get that extra viewership. Oh yeah. Like what I'm doing here. Yeah. Alrighty, so that was our top eight debate, games of 2021. Congratulations, Bullet, uh, in mm -hmm. Level 99 games. We think that was the best game we've played from 2021 in 2021. That's right. So thank you so much for, for listening to our podcast. We always enjoy it. If you ever want to contact us uh, directly, I'm flipping this around a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you can email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com with ideas or even just to say hi or thanks. As well as you can get in contact with us on our official Twitter account, at EBG Podcast. Yeah, we want to give a shout out to Illuminous for this episode. Thank you so much. So very wrong about uh, board games. Join us yeah. in previous uh, Mario Fanatic, uh, Normal Friends, It3, Creative Chaos, all of them yeah. who join us on live. Um, also, the other podcasters, uh, Tabletop Bellhop. Yeah. All, all cool people, and we appreciate you for doing it. Uh, if you ever want to watch a live episode, they do vary in time, but join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames, and please consider subscribing, so that way we know, uh, we can notify you when we join online. Yeah, and as well as you can find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do here, there's three things you can do to help us grow on the platform. You can subscribe if you're not. Like the video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. Which was your favorite game you played in 2021 on this episode? Pull it. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming. <laughs>